How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to Hashtag Spread the Sand. I'm Dylan Thompson. Uh, with me today is captain of the men's U.S. Beach National Team, Nick Carrera. Nick, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thank you. Thanks for setting this up. No, I appreciate you uh, having this interview with me at 8 a.m. on a Monday, but no worries. I've been up since 6. I got little kids, so. <laughs> Fair enough. Not many people know you weren't exactly born in the States. You were born in Spain. Do you want to talk a little bit about that experience growing up? Yeah, my dad's from uh, Spain and then my mom's from the U.S., so I'm a little bit of, a little bit of each. Um, and, uh, you know, we used to... We actually grew up, I actually grew up in Belgium, so I was living in Belgium. I was born in Spain. My mom was from the U.S. So we used to travel back and forth to a lot of them. Christmas used to be kind of time that we would come here. Um, in summer, we usually went to Spain. So I kind of bounced around a lot um, and had family on both sides that I had to go uh, visit a lot. So, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was definitely a lot of travel. And so I imagine, uh, like a lot of soccer players, their stories playing real young. Um, what did playing overseas look like for you growing up? Yeah, it was super different to everything that that uh, that I work with here. Right, I'm a director of coaching at a club here in San in San Diego, San Marcos Revolution, and I, and I and I'm dealing with the way that 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 um, the model is set up here, and it's just so different. I mean, I I grew up in a way where um, the first you know rule that was even created was basically you show up in regular clothes, you put on your soccer outfit. You have to take a shower at the facilities after and you have to go home. It was more of a socialization than it was about soccer, right? It was more about teaching you how to interact with other people and how to like hygiene and things. So it was it was kind of really not about soccer when I was five or six and I first joined. Um, but yeah, it was I mean, um, it was I don't even think my parents paid anything. It might have been 100 bucks for the whole season. And uh, there were some really amazing experiences. A lot of soccer, obviously teams everywhere um and and not and not for profit so it was a very different experience with some amazing amazing uh tournaments and events and things um and and then my formative i believe formative stuff especially with the small sided game was in spain i was doing beach soccer and futsal and indoor um in spain for three or four months every summer so uh, that was where i really kind of learned that game do you take some of the stuff that you learned growing up and uh, apply that to the club that you coach with now? It is difficult. Um, it's very difficult because the situations and the circumstances are are, are, are different. But uh, I definitely attempt uh, at times to, or, you know, one of my philosophies and mentalities is on teaching kids um, humility through the sport and trying to understand that, that there are other levels above them. I think that very often in this country we have a problem where from early on, we tell kids that they're the best thing that, that anyone's ever seen and we baby them and people give out free registration and people give out, oh, here you get this and you're this and you get to go to ODP and they start making up all these kind of times and stories um, for players and, and they actually are hurting them because those kids grew up with this mindset that they deserve everything, that they're the best player that ever was, that they're special, that they're not the, you know, that they deserve something that other people don't. So we try to teach our kids that that uh, no matter how well they're doing there's always levels above if they were the best they'd be at fc barcelona uh, yes. not in the club team that w you know we're in so um it's all about learning learning every single day and i think that's the key to anything that any industry but especially in the sports industry if you if you are happy where you are uh you're never going anywhere yeah i mean that's the value of sports right like growing up uh, I wouldn't give back the lessons that I learned through sport like I imagine you wouldn't either. Um, 
so fast forward a little bit, talking about, you know, working hard and working for something. Um, you ended up moving to the States when you were 18 uh, and then looking to play for UC Santa Barbara. So at first, though, um, I believe that you didn't make the team right away. Is that correct? That's true. And so how did that kind of drive you to come back with, you know, a little bit of a vengeance, I would say? Yeah, so it was a it was a weird circumstance. I mean, I didn't really know what the level of college soccer was when I came over. I just assumed, you know, in, in Europe, it's usually like you play soccer or you go to college. It wasn't uh, you couldn't really combine the two. It was either or for the most part at the higher level. So I thought, well, that's kind of cool. They get to play sports while they do university. That You know, I had no idea how competitive it was, how professional it was, how organized it was. I just kind of thought it was like a get together type thing. So I showed up. Uh, I did their college ID camp the year before I, I enrolled. And then I did it the year that I was already enrolled and they had me stay on after the camp and do a workout with the team for the first week or two of training of preseason. And uh, I remember just uh, being technically fine, probably better than most, if not all. But I remember that uh, physically I was six levels below where anybody else was. And, and, and it wasn't that it was an intentional. I just had never had to work that hard in Europe. Nobody in Europe pushes you physically that way. Or at least when I grew up, nobody did. Um, now I think the game's changed significantly. But at the time, I mean, it was, you know, it was two a days with no balls. It was, I mean, it was the hardest I'd ever worked. And I remember five or six days in, my body was breaking down. I just couldn't even walk. It was like everything hurt. Um, I couldn't run. I was already like the slowest kid on the team. And now I was like the least fit. So it was this whole package. Um, and I remember that it only it only took me one quarter to get back and, and be on the team. You know, by spring, I was on the team. But the, the team that year actually lost in the, in the national championship game in 04. So they lost to Indiana on penalty kicks um, that year. And I remember being there or, you know, watching some of the home games that year and just thinking to myself, at the time, I had this like, wow, they're so much better than me, so much better than me, even though obviously it's just it's different when you're watching or, you know, the same way that we can watch Manchester United play Man City and go, oh, that guy's terrible, even though that guy is like so amazingly good, right? And that's like the power of being not on the field. But uh, yeah, I just remember working super hard to get fit. I think I, you know, Santa Barbara is a bikeable um, campus. It's all bike access. I think I remember just putting my bike away and just being like, I'm running the class, I'm running home, I'm running here, I'm running there, just kind of taking it upon myself. And it was an ego thing. I was like, there's no way you're going to tell me I'm not a good enough soccer player. It's not possible. Because I knew that that wasn't the issue. It was just my fitness. And um, even when I was on the team, fitness was still an issue. You know, I just wasn't, uh, I'm six foot three, 200 pounds. I'm not the fastest guy. <laughs> if anything, I'm the slowest guy usually. Um but fitness itself wasn't the issue. Speed was always the issue. But uh, so I worked on that. And I remember there was one spring in 2005, must have been 2006, maybe leading into the year that we won the championship, that uh, our assistant coach decided, you know what, we're going to, you guys are going to run for like six weeks every morning at 6am. It was crazy. And there was only maybe I think three players in the entire team that actually were able to complete all those sessions because of the demand. And I was one of them. And it wasn't because I was fitter or stronger or faster. It was just because I remember being like, there's no way that I'm going to miss one of these because someone's going to start saying, you know, you're lazy. You're this, you're that. <laughs> I was like, I'm not missing it. I, and I remember doing every single one. It was, I think, me and two other guys that actually made all of them. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was definitely a lesson worth learning. I mean, I'm super glad that I didn't make it. I think that um, 
one of the issues I've had over the years has been like my, I self inflate my ego when things go too well. You know, as things go too well, I start to think, yeah, I'm the man and everything's perfect. And that definitely happened to me after the championship when we won. I was the offensive MVP and I'd been this walk on on one side. And now I was the like MVP of the league and I had a goal and assist in the final. We beat UCLA and it was on ESPN. Cinderella story right there. Yeah, it was perfect, right? It couldn't have been better. And I just remember being a total idiot about it, just being such an idiot about it. Um, so I've definitely had to learn some of those lessons the hard way, and I'm glad I did learn the lessons. I think that it's that sometimes the adversity is definitely worth the, the payback you get after it. So was anyone from the beach team that you've played with on that UCLA team that you that you won against? Yeah, title? so we've actually had a lot of those players come through. And the, the funniest thing is the reason I even got a chance on the beach team was that in 2011, we were playing in a beach soccer tournament in uh, Fiesta Island in San Diego. And Coach Eddie and Herman had brought down a group of local guys um, to compete in this little tournament, which, again, was not an elite tournament at all. It was just a beach soccer tournament. And he had brought down a group of local guys and most of them are, and he was looking at a couple of them to take them to Miami the following weekend to go play Spain, Mexico, and Brazil. And um, they lost in the semifinal with that group. And we ended up winning the whole thing with my team from the San Diego Soccers. And the player, uh, Jason Leopoldo, who's one of my best friends and actually married my wife and I, he... Uh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, he was the officiant at our wedding. You know, neither of us are, are religious or religiously inclined. So we thought if someone's going to marry us, they might as well be somebody that we really appreciate. Someone close. Yeah. And who knows us both. Um, so he actually got injured in that semifinal game and he went down uh, with an injury. Um, I believe his knee got smashed and he thought that he'd broken his leg. Um, and so after that day, Eddie came up and was like, hey, Nick, what do you think, man? Jason's hurt. You know, what do you think about jumping on this trip a week from now? And I was Jeez. like, whoa, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, yeah, beach soccer is like a thing. Like, it's like a thing. And I was like, ah, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You want to go play Mexico, Brazil, and and and, uh, and Spain in a, in a FIFA world, in a FIFA match? And I was like, uh, yeah, of course. And I had no idea. It's like dangling candy in front of a kid, man. Yeah, it was, you know, but I didn't know how elite it was. You know, at the time, I mean, I've always been somebody who when someone says, let's go play, I'll go play. Uh, it really doesn't matter what it is, where it is, you know, I'll go play. Um, but at the time, you know, I went home and Googled it and was like, what is beach soccer? And watched all the YouTube videos, the introductory <laughs> videos, you know, like I just was playing kind of street ball in the sand, right? Um, and I'd played beach soccer my whole life growing up in Spain, but it was never formalized, right? It wasn't like organized. This is the, the way you do a bike. And this is the way you pass the ball. Like I had no idea. So uh, anyway, I went there and that was a total eye-opening experience and something that was like, you know, crack cocaine. Like the second that I'd gotten some, there was just, there's no way I was going to not need that, that fix. And so kind of going back a little bit after your career at UC Santa Barbara, there were some opportunities for you to continue to play on the grass, um, yeah. on the big field, on the big game. Um, but quickly, I think you kind of realized after playing a lot of indoor that, you know, small side is more your bread and butter almost. Do you want to talk a little about that transition? Yeah, outdoor, the outdoor sport, uh, again, um, you know, the, the sport is constantly evolving, right? So the demands are very different. I actually think that had I come out of, um, had I come out of college now, uh, my game is much more suited to the demands of what 
teams are asking for now than they were uh, 12 years ago or whatever. Uh, at the time, you know, I'm a, I play forward. And so I'm a six foot three, 200 pound uh, forward. Who's not terrible. Who's pretty slow. Um, but I'm technical, you know, I, I was always good uh, at receiving, passing, dribbling and, and good first touch. And I have a good, good shot. Um, so my game was far more about incorporating others and being a little bit more collaborative than it was about, okay, this is this guy who's so fast and so big and so strong. He's just going to run people down. Uh, that was never my game. Um, and at the time, you know, the outdoor uh, MLS league, I was actually in the MLS combine, uh, which was super cool honor. Only, I don't know, 60 kids from college get to go per year. And I went and I went to the combine and I remember uh, having a really tough time playing with people that I didn't know, you know, my game, again, like I said, my game didn't really translate to just being super athletic. And I think that if, if you're a, a really incredible athlete and you get to put with a team of people that you don't really know and you're just thrown in, like it's all good, right? You can just kind of run around and do your thing and, and you can highlight your athleticism however you choose. But uh, being a kind of collaborative technical player with, you know, 15 guys I'd never met before and trying to and jumping right into a game, right? It was like we got there, we did our physicals the next day, game. That was hard for me and I didn't do well. Um, and that year the MLS cut its reserve league. So they went from rosters went from like 25 or 26 down to like 21. So players who were already on guaranteed contracts were getting cut. So it was like I wasn't going to happen for me in the MLS. They actually offered me a developmental deal at the time, which was, I think, $16,000 a year. And that was a team in L.A. Um, and there's just no way you can live on $16,000 a year in L.A. You know, So I chose to go to Spain. Um, and I did some trials there with uh, actually Atletico Madrid's B team and a lot of teams there. And uh, very quickly signed a contract uh, there because, again, my game was more suited to them. Right. I was here's this big guy who can actually kind of play like some of us little guys. Who's technical and can move the ball. Yeah, it, it, you know, I was playing like they were, but I was like 50% taller and bigger. So they were like, damn, this guy's huge. And he can actually kind of pass and move. <laughs> so, you know, I got signed very, very quickly. Um, and the uh, But they stopped paying us like four months in, which happens a lot in Europe now. I mean, a lot of the teams are in a financial situation. So anyway, four months in, uh, I stopped, six months in, sorry, I stopped getting paid. And I just, I came back right after Christmas, I came back to the U.S. and said, okay, I think that that's, I'm done in Spain and I'm done in Europe. I'm going to give a couple, have a couple trials here, tryouts. Uh, but whilst I was doing that, I was playing indoor, starting indoor. Um, and, I, and I took to indoor really well. You know, uh, like I said, in the outdoor game, my athleticism was always a knock on me. Um, in the indoor game, it's far more technical, far more collaborative, far more about individual skill um, and collective technical ability so it, it highlighted my game far more and it, it it took away a lot of my detractors right I, I don't win a lot of headers that's something that I was always knocked on hey man you're 6'3 why don't you win headers well honestly I don't jump high and two the way I kind of see the game I'm not like aggressive like that I, I just have never been that guy that like goes and steamrolls people and rah, you know that's just not me so I was always knocked on for not winning headers I was never explosively fast which in an outdoor field is a problem, right? Because it's a hundred, it's mm -hmm. like a hundred yards to cover if you've got to go. Especially if you're a forward, you've got to stretch the back line. So uh, in indoor, that's not an issue because the field is just that much smaller, right? And as a forward, you post it up way deep in the corner. It's very rare that you have to be explosive. So anyway, all the positives of my game were highlighted, and a lot of the negatives of my of my game were were, were taken away. So indoor just became this 
place where I could showcase kind of the way I saw the game. And, um, and it was an amazing thing. And, and I did go on some trials. I went to Norway um, on a trial with a, with a second division team there. I went to Portland Timbers before they had the MLS. I went to the Rochester Rhinos. I did five or six trials and with the, in the outdoor game, mostly because it was financially st- stable, right? It was like, mm-hmm. if beach soccer and indoor had been paying all the bills, I probably wouldn't have cared at all. Um, but, uh, and, and they were horrible, horrible experiences, all of them, not the Norway, but the other ones were horrible. It was just, you know, massive amounts of people going to these tryouts, even, even the select ones, even like Portland Timbers, where they only picked a group of like 30 of us. They were just basically looking to see who would take the, uh, who was willing to sign for the lowest amount. Well, I was actually completing my master's in upstate New York, and I was looking to do an internship with the Rochester Rhinos, um, but they had, like, dissolved for a season mm. because of the financial burden and everything. Um, so, yeah. no, I, de- I definitely see what you're saying. A lot of those teams, just, they just, you know, with the, with the Rhinos in particular, I, I did a tryout there, and, and uh, it was actually a really good team. There was three of my Santa Barbara teammates were on that team, uh, a lot of people that I knew and some fantastic players. Um, and I just remember having a conversation with the coach and him saying, you see that guy over there he'll sign for this much and you want this much. So if you want, if you will accept what he'll take, then I'll sign you. And I was like, no, no, that's crazy. Yeah. So it's in the outdoor game. It was this massive rat race and I just was kind of over it, burned out. And then indoor and beach came along and they both kind of offered me this amazing new experience and ability to just feel that, that childish joy, you know, is you with the ball, running at people, doing the, you know, combining, scoring goals. Um, so that all kind of combined together. Indoor, indoor came first, and then through the San Diego Soccer's jumped me into uh, beach. And I mean, that's something that everyone, I feel like every player looks for, is a way to enjoy the game at the style that you play it. So I'm glad that indoor really highlighted a lot of that you know, those assets that you have for sure. Oh, I was just, everybody, every player, like I said, sees the game a certain way and every player has things that they do well or don't do well. You know, an example of that is the two guys from, you're from Santa Cruz, right? So I'm in Santa Cruz right now, yeah. So so a couple of your buddy, you know, a couple of like, like Guero, you know, Mondragon, David Mondragon and Tanner, right? both those guys are two extremely talented uh, soccer players and they both see the game very unique ways right they, they see they they see the game and they understand their abilities very differently um and i think that beach soccer is something which allows them to express the way they see the game whilst they still have a huge amount of learning to do it a long way i remember seeing actually being horribly frustrated with tanner when he first came on the team because he just was this kind of chaotic human being right it was just like it was hard to be around the guy and understand where he was headed um you know he's like not wearing shoes he's walking around he's late to meetings it's just you know it's all over the place and then when he's playing he's just kind of all over the map um and as he's been with us for a couple of years his game has gone he's understood the demands of what he's supposed to be doing and where he's supposed to go with things and he's like super eager to grow and learn. Um, he's always someone who who has a dialogue, especially he's had some dialogue with me on how do I get better at this and who can I watch and where do I go? And um, and he's gotten so much better. And last, last year's qualifier, I mean, he was fantastic, unbelievable. And not having him for the World Cup was a huge loss. And the same with, with, um, with David. You know, he, um, the same thing. He used to try and dribble everybody. 
that was like the thing, right? I'm just going to pick the ball up and dribble everybody. And then if by the time that you're open, I'll think about passing. Um, and we went to, um, to Hungary a couple of years ago. And I remember playing with him and, and sitting down with him, with, with Chris Toth, our goalie, and just saying, listen, if you just pass the ball more often than not, or just keep the ball, don't force an impossible bicycle kick from your own half, just don't do that connect it we'll get you a better opportunity closer to the goal where you can go do what you do well and he's really understood it i mean both those guys have gone from kind of being people that all the teammates are going god this guy is a nightmare to everyone being like man i love playing with those guys and that's just their learning curve so yeah everybody sees the game differently but ultimately it's the team dynamics that are, that, that that take players a little bit of time to learn and take players a little bit of time that once they do decide that that's where they want to go, if they want to be involved and want to do it, that that's where they're going to grow. And both those guys, especially um, since you probably know them both, uh, are, are really good examples of, of people who've taken a lot of time and effort on, on growing their side of the game that they can, that they can improve on to make sure that they're not just fantastic dribblers, shooters, whatever, but that they can also understand the team stuff. Yeah. So if I, if I'm, Correct me if I'm wrong. David had a great tournament, so I'm glad that that at least in Hungary, I believe he had great performances he did. in Hungary. He did, and then um, Tanner as well. So I, we, Tanner and David and the NorCal guys have kind of cultivated a, a pickup beach soccer culture out here, which is great for training. And you know, I've been to those trainings, and it's funny that you say all that now because when I see Tanner on the field, he's kind of like showing the younger guys the way of like okay this is how we need to come in and defend and this is you know the right time to go and the right time to come back and it's funny that you say that now because I'm looking at it about how Tanner and David kind of educate you know the players that I see now um it's it's different and I feel like like you said it's all about the learning experiences knowing the team aspects um in some of these pop-up tournaments you might be able to dribble around everyone and maybe get away with it but it's different at, a, at the international level for sure yeah and that's one of the that's one of the things that that that's like how that's like that's what cultures of sports are it's like the people who know it should be teaching it and one of the hardest things that i found um in, in for me as a as a forward um was i was unlucky that when i came onto the national team yuri um had actually stepped off um, and so Yuri, oh, Yuri's great. And so Yuri was somebody yeah. that, that could have taught me or I would have loved to have learned a lot from him on on everything because um, he'd been doing it for much longer than me. and He's been around it much longer than I had at the time. Um, and so, I, you know, Francis was somebody who taught me a lot. But Francis's game and my game are completely different. Um, so I always had a really tough time finding someone to emulate my game after in beach soccer because it was just, it's, you know, in Spain, you think about it, every generation of beach soccer players has a generation coming before them that's done something, right? I mean, you, you, everyone, you know, Llorens wins the, the ball, the best player of the year, and he's got Amarele to look at, and he's been looking at him for 15 years, right? All the players in Portugal, they just, they've had Magic for the last 20 years, um, you know, and then Magic even had other players to look at too, so it's one of those ones where they've always had people that they could watch, they could emulate. Um, and so uh, I took it upon myself to just learn as much as I could. I went to Europe for the first, you know, I went to Europe and did a lot of tournaments uh, every summer and I just picked up things where I went and tried to learn them. And then the second that I learned them, I tried to teach them or I tried to help, um, help teach them. I didn't know how to throw a bike. I had no idea, no idea. I mean,
You would never be able to guess that seeing you play. Yeah, now. And, but and continue. the bicycle yeah. kicks, my bicycle kicks now are like one of my more um, effective kind of weapons, you know. But at the time when I first started playing, I can show you video that's like embarrassing of me trying to throw a bike. It's me, you know, doing, they used to call it the tricycle. You know, it wouldn't really, it wasn't really a full bike. It was, like, it was like me leaning on one side and doing it. It was terrible. Um, and then little by little, you know, practice and watching the other people do it and really kind of evaluating it and, and really seeing how bad I was at it and, and seeing other people who were so good at it do it. And I learned um, and I learned and I'm trying to help uh, guys do that now. And, um, but it is it is a crazy sport. And it's one that's one of the most humbling sports I think I've ever been a part of where no matter how good you think you are, um, there's always something there that makes you not feel amazing. And if you're not on your day, if you're not having a really good day on the, on the sand, then you're just an average player. So uh, it's, it, that's the cool thing. So, you know, you talk about being able to, you know, emulate somebody on the field or watch somebody play that's played prior to you. Um, you've kind of had that opportunity to do that. I, you know, you and Toth having gotten top 50 uh, players in the world for beach soccer worldwide from 2017 to 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Um, how has that felt for you also being, you know, a beach soccer worldwide ambassador? How has that felt for you to kind of play that role model uh, for youth coming up in this game? It's an interesting question because both Chris and I, uh, it's funnily enough, have had a lot of success, uh, you know, um, in this sport. And, and we've been recognized for it, obviously, by beach soccer worldwide for the last three seasons for what we've done. Um, but it's tough because within our own country, there's a lot less maybe stigma about who we are or what's going on than maybe internationally when we go play against the big teams you know um one of the things that's wonderful about beach soccer is the level of respect that's shown between teams and coaches and, and national and national settings so uh, we've always been extremely respected by some of the teams we play against um and a lot of the coaches we play against and it's been harder because you know nationally not a lot of people follow this game to where we've had the, the level of impact that maybe we have a, a, abroad um, but it is something that, that I think that while you're doing it, you don't really think about it. Uh, it doesn't like ring sure. into your head that, that maybe in 10 years time or whenever, five years time, whenever I'm done playing or whenever I'm no longer around, um, that people will be able to say, yeah, you know, I played and watched him and he helped me grow. And that's one of the things Francis is able to do with, with a lot of players, you know, Francis was around and, um, a lot of the, a lot of the things that Francis did as players, uh, as a player, um, are very hard to emulate. Francis was one of the hardest working guys in everything he ever did, you know, and he was a guy that was willing to kind of go to any length to win. So I remember uh, in the World Cup, um, we had just scored, and I don't remember who the, what the game was. This was in 2013, what the game was, but somebody off of a kickoff mashed the shot as hard as they could, and it was it, it, it was goalkeepers, not not goalie side. It was defender side, you know, on the wall. And Francis mm -hmm. took it off the forehead and was like, yeah, like yelling. And it, it was like, <laughs> it was a hard hit shot. It wasn't a little soft one. It was, it, it was smashed. And I remember, I remember looking at him like, oh my God, that's a concussion for sure. Insane. And he just was like, yeah, you know, and um, he was not going to ever back down from that or let his team lose because he was the guy that pulled out. So he had a really good thing. And I think that, yeah, like you said, maybe when the time comes to not play anymore, um, I'll be able to look back on it. Maybe people will be able to say the same about me. But 
Uh, now I'm just enjoying it and trying to do the best I can with the tools I have, which is what everybody's, I think everybody in the world is trying to do is just the best they can, what they have. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. And then coming back to what you said a little bit earlier, there will definitely still people be people in the U S across the nation that will have to Google beach soccer. They will have to Google it. They'll have to see that it's on a larger scale than what they see. And maybe some of the big tournaments that we have here. Um, it's more than just maybe like a weekend getaway for most people. Um, but kind of talking a little bit about those tournaments and everything, how did it feel to represent uh, the Tacoma Stars at the tournament in Virginia most recently, last year? It was cool. It was, uh, you know, I've been doing that tournament for a long time. Uh, I went with Team Pug, must have been 2012. That was the first time I was there. And then I've been there almost every single year except for one uh, when I had – when my child was born. So I miss had to miss that one. Um, it's a fair excuse. Yeah, and, no worries. Yeah, I think that was fair. Um, but I just remember uh, thinking to myself, man, I, I, I really would like to, first off, I'm the player and head coach of the Tacoma Stars, and I would I would very much like to bring, market the brand. Uh, and then second of all, I you know, uh, one of the things that I have, I have trouble with also as a person is I always – one, I think I can do certain things better than other people. And I don't mean that to mean that I'm better than anybody. I just mean that organizationally, I've always thought that certain things as a player is not are not met, right? And I understand organizational constraints, financial budgets and things. But I've always thought to myself, man, you know, there's certain things that as a player you, you need and you want when you go to a tournament like this. Um, and I wanted to try and set something up to provide that, you know, we, 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 we took care of everything for the players as far as everything, transport, accommodations, food. Uh, we gave the players a guaranteed stipend no matter what happened. So we, we just did things that, that uh, haven't always been done with teams in the past um, that I really wanted to kind of bring to that tournament and to, the, to these players was the level of professionalism that they deserve, right? And that's one of the hardest parts of our sport is that sometimes there's these big events and maybe the kids and the parents think that there's a, a high level of elitism around it. And there really isn't a lot of the times, you know, a lot of the times it's, um, you know, it's put together budget that's just not enough for what you want to do. Um, so that was one of my missions with bringing the Tacoma Stars was, you know, can I provide a professional environment for the players? Can I provide a professional environment for the tournament? Can I provide a, a standard that we've all set so that, you know, maybe moving forward, uh, every team and every player is asking for and, and receiving um, at least this. You know, can we say that, hey, at least we get, you know, X, Y, and Z covered and paid for and made sure that we're made to feel elite and professional at a certain levels. So that was one of the missions and it was awesome. We did, uh, we came in third. Um, we lost in, I think, 4-3 or 3-2 to the team that ended up winning the whole thing. I was watching those games, man. It was nice. Yeah, and, and sure. we were right there the whole time. Um, and, and we actually were, <laughs> we actually were, I think we only had one sub for most of the tournament because I was about to say that bench was not deep no, at all. We, so we, we had on one guy who um, we had two major injuries the week of the flights and neither one of them was able to go. So actually Francis, who was coaching at the time, his FBS team, I was like, Francis, man, we're down players. I was supposed to have this many players and they can't go. Can you come? And he was like, yeah, I'm going to be there. Let's do it. You know, and so Francis was, you know, I don't know how fit he was, but he was all of a sudden playing with no subs, basically, you know, in Virginia, uh, two games a day. And so by the last day, Francis was out. Uh, somebody else had hurt his knee. 
so we were down to like no players um and so to have to to, to come in third was pretty spectacular and i remember my owner at the time uh you know when we if we had won we were going to split the pot and give players a huge thing and i remember him being like man these guys they may have well as one because you know have won because with no subs playing beach soccer the way that you guys are playing flying up and down against the teams with the full benches it's it's crazy so uh, it was it was really awesome and uh, i'm bummed that uh, obviously with everything that's going on it, it's a bummer that um, that this year is going to look very different but that i think that'll help a lot with everyone getting excited for when these events start coming back but no i definitely that that's something that annually has just been, you know, the go-to event for a lot of people, especially myself. So um, I thought it was awesome to see the Tacoma Stars, um, y'all repping your brand, like you said. That's really awesome. And it, even more the backstory of it, giving, you know, those players an opportunity to feel, you know, what it feels like to be at that level. Um, so as as we're closing out here, Nick, uh, what do you kind of see for on the horizon for the national team? For the national team? Yeah, I think we're we're at a, we're at a juncture. Um, where there's going to be a new direction. I know that Coach Eddie stepped down, um, uh, and so there's going to be a new a new someone taking over. Um, and I'm very excited to see what that looks like. You know, it, it's something that uh, happens within organizations that, that there's a new vibe. There's a new vibe, or somebody's going to come in and do things uh, their own way. And, and and I'm very excited to see what what, what that looks like. I know that. One of the things that I've set myself as a player, um, which has been really kind of a, a struggle for us, is that we really should qualify for every single time, every World Cup. There's really no excuse at this point moving on to not qualify. Um, and we do have to always, it always comes down to the same game. It always comes down to that semifinal game against El Salvador or Mexico or, you know, it was Costa Rica in 2013. And there's always that one opponent that you've got to jump over that's really good. Um, but the reality is that with the players we have, with the infrastructure that we do have, we shouldn't even be talking about not making World Cup. So that's one of the biggest things for me is just saying we, we lock in and guarantee a World Cup position and berth. Um, and then I'm I'm stuck on 99 international goals. So actually, I would have um, <laughs> I, I was hoping to crack 100 at the World Cup. And, I'm, and, and embarrassingly enough, they had made a sign for me. Congratulations, Nick, on your 100th FIFA international goal. And then it didn't happen. So uh, that's definitely a milestone that I'm looking that I need to make sure I break just on a personal level. Um, again, it's about winning games. And, and uh, I know that if I score goals, I can help the team win. So I need to get over that 100 mark. Imagine if it had been that bike against uh, Switzerland. and That would have been a nice 100 for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, honestly, I'll take anything. I'll let it hit me on the nose and, ju and jump in by the line. I don't care. I used to be a guy that only wanted to score nice goals, and now I really don't care what they look like. I just want to score and, and help. Goals are goals. Goals are goals. Uh, and the last, the last question I have for you, um, not that it has to be anytime soon, and we hope that it's not anytime soon, but I know that you've done work on the U.S. Soccer Federation's Athletes Council. Um, what what else do you have endeavor wise that you envision down the road when you're finally done playing? Good question. If I knew the answer, my wife and I would have far less arguments. I, I really, I really don't know. Uh, it's something I want to stay involved in the sport of soccer. It's the only thing that feels like not work to me. It feels like a passion and fun. Um, I'm trying to diversify and find out where it is that I can be of most value. You know, I'm a director of coaching. Um, I'm obviously been a player and a head coach for a professional organization. 
Uh, I actually serve as the general manager for that organization too. So I've kind of hit on a lot of different things and I'm still searching to see exactly where I fit in the best. I'd love to coach at a really high level. I think being involved in a professional uh, technical director capacity or academy director would be amazing to work with young kids and playing. I would love to be able to open up my own beach soccer uh, camp or not camp academy and really focus in on, on young players learning the game uh, or just becoming better soccer players through the sport of beach. So again, it's, I'm all over the map. Um, and I really don't know. Uh, all I know is that when there's a project that feels right, um, it's something that I've jumped in on, you know, the Tacoma stars is a perfect example of that. Just a project that I wasn't expecting and it, fell into my lap and it felt right and the project was really enticing and, and with good people and it was something I jumped into and, and I've given my all to so um, I don't know I'm hoping that I don't have to talk about this for a while I'm, I'm turning Fair 34 enough. on Friday um, and I'm hoping that I've got at least up to where Francis stopped I think Francis stopped at 39 or 40 so I'm hoping that I can make it that way Hey, I've seen we've all seen older older guys and girls playing at that level so uh, I don't anticipate again like I said um, that being anytime soon just wanted to kind of get a peek at what your where your head's at so I appreciate that um, Nick thank you so much for coming on uh, this has been great talking with you I always enjoy doing this and I hope that you know we meet up in person at one of these tournaments or you know I wish you luck on all your endeavors and get that 100th goal Man. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. And, and yeah, anything that, uh, like I said, anytime that we can promote this sport, push it out and get more people involved. It's, uh, it, it's definitely a worthwhile sport.